you're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by Quip. I'm Sonny Bunch, uh, along with Jonathan V. Last, and special guest Matt Continetti, uh, the editor of the Washington Free Beacon and panelist on the incredibly popular Free Beacon podcast. So, right, uh, everyone, and writer. And, right, and writer. Uh, everyone should listen to that uh, before they listen to this. So go download that, then we'll, we'll come back. That, sorry, that's also my day job. I'm the executive editor at the Free Beacon. Uh, Much better I, show than this one, frankly. Well, it, it has its pluses and minuses. Great producer uh, on that the one. The production work on Great that producer. is <laughs> outstanding. I'd like to remind you that the substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look under podcasts and search for substandard. You will easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review, a positive review, not one of those bad, nasty, negative reviews. Uh, how was everyone's weekend? Matt, why don't you Matt, introduce welcome yourself? welcome to the show. Why don't you Hello. introduce yourself I've been to us? It's forward to this. so wonderful to see you, Jonathan. Can I tell you I when I first all wanted, the time. Can I tell you when I first wanted to do this? When? When we were at uh, John McCormick's house talking about The Force Awakens. So now, Which two years now, ago, yeah, I I thought to myself, if two and we a half years get ago. Sonny to get off of his stupid no guests in the studio thing. Well, it's taken we us a long do. time to recover And you know, he from has Michael that King. rule also for the Free Beacon <laughs> podcast. Well, it's a good rule. It's a good rule. It serves a very useful function, which is you don't have everyone who's out promoting a book or whatever right. trying to beg to get on your show. I mean, the downside it's, is uh, it means that I have to spend even more time with Sonny today. Positive. Right, because typically, typically, this is my break from Sonny when he is over <laughs> here, and I remain at the Free Beacon office. But today, I had to come with him, so I, I'm spending even more time. Well, we spent a lot of time in our Uber too. Our Uber driver was driving all around. Yeah. Did you guys hold hands for safety? No, we I didn't. Looked, we didn't communicate. We barely we <laughs> talked. To we each don't other. talk to each other. I looked out the window and at my phone. Well, you're saving it for the show. Yeah, you got to save it for the show. That's the you that's know, the rule. It's really we have nothing to say to each other anymore. We communicate just through glances sort of the way yeah, Vic and, and I facial do. expressions. Right. Grunts. Uh, well, how was your weekend, Matt? What did you My do? weekend was long, uh, and I was, I was thinking about what I did uh, in preparation for the show, and I realized the highlight probably was the millennial wedding I went to. Ooh. I went to a millennial wedding, and I'm going to run down, if it's okay, just how millennial yes. it was. Uh, it was in a barn. Oh. Uh, there was no air conditioning, Ooh. so it was rustic. Um, the dog, the couple's dog, went down the aisle. Was was uh, was he was a present. ring bearer? He would not. He didn't have any packaging. He was just. He was just a part of the bridal Including. party. Yeah. He was included. It was. There was no religious tradition. It was a syncretic. It had. <laughs> it had. You know, pieces of everything from. Judaism and Christianity to also uh, four weddings and a funeral because the officiant was trying to do his best kind of impression of the jokey, you know, the kind of the humorous officiant. Question. Yeah. Was the officiant uh, like one of uh, one of the millennial friends? 
the officiant had attended college. So it was college. It was a well-educated, well-schooled group, well-schooled group, uh, as millennials are. And um, there was a band. And as a special prize for the uh, guests, um, the bride and groom had purchased uh, scratch-off lottery tickets, which were taped beneath our seats. And as the bride said, you know, we could have spent money on plate chargers and fancy Shivari chairs and air condition and, <laughs> you know, food. Uh, but instead, we decided, who wants all that, and I quote, crap, when you could have free lottery tickets? Yes. Fair. Uh, well, I want that crap. I love that. That's why, I, that's the only thing that make the How, weddings bearable for me. But I actually win. enjoyed them. Question. Wedding. Question. Mm-hmm. How was the uh, food to drink ratio? I'm so bad at math. Uh, the, the, it, 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 okay, so food to drink means that it was a one to twenty-five. Okay, so <laughs> ratio much heavier on the alcohol yes. than yes. the food. Yeah. Did you win with your? I won. Scratcher? I won. I won two dollars, which meant that yes. I basically well, that I was a hundred percent dry cleaning right? for your suit. Exactly. After yeah. No, like I, but you know what? The key. I, I learned the key to being in the hot humidity. I mean, obviously, the humidity. Um, lessened when it began to pour outside <laughs> uh, during the cocktail hour. That, that was good. But the key to, to you know, keeping yourself uh, comfortable as possible in these type of situations is just to, to conserve energy, I found, not to move. So I was very still throughout the ceremony. dance? Once we were in the barn. In the barn? A barnyard They were. I dance. mean, I did not, but the millennials danced. Yeah. The band was excellent. They had a band. Uh, again, a bands not Susan being edible book. didn't really impact me that much. But, um, wait, so wait, they, they had a band but not a DJ? I feel like that's unmillennial. I feel like millennials are more likely to go with like the iPod DJ. Hard to say. Uh, you know, if you want, uh, I think, on authentic, because right, millennials are about authenticity, I think. They're about faux authenticity. And experiences. And experiences. Over things. I, I, I see where you're coming from, Sonny, but I would say that having the band which played, a, well, here, it played a very diverse range of music mm-hmm. and styles. It was basically the equivalent of having an iPod. Mm-hmm. And they were very good. I think, uh, to me, that was millennials. We we're going to emphasize the musical dancing aspect. Mm-hmm. I would say one other thing about the wedding which made it enjoyable for me was it was as though I had... Um, I want to say a time machine, but it was I was looking back into my past, right? Because the since they're millennials, they're about ten years younger than me, and um, so I just was observing people um, behaving at a wedding that like I would have behaved uh, when I was in my mid to late twenties, and you know there was the pang of nostalgia. Oh, a lot of people, you know, enjoying themselves. Oh, happy. <laughs> what? What was that? I well, see. I wouldn't have ever known what that was like. So. <laughs> Uh, well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, Charlottesville's a nice town. That's where the well, that was, was the other benefit. Yeah. The, the wedding was located in Charlottesville. Oh, did um, you leave the kids? And we were kid free. Yeah. Wow. Well, then it was great for one night. For one night, so we were going to have two with free no nights. Kids. We we did. We were going to have the weekend without the kids, but of course, one got pink eye, <laughs> or actually a subsidiary <laughs> viral infection to the pink eye. So then, we, so our two nights away was. Uh, shortened to just one. You but got that the, was nice. And the Charles, phone call. Oh, we need you. We need you home. We don't know. No, what's this going all happened even before. Oh, before. Yeah. yeah. So we avoided the phone call, but um, it was nice to spend one night in Charlottesville because uh, it's a, just a lovely place, and uh, we got to walk the lawn. 
I was surprised. Sonny, did you live on the lawn? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. The The problem with living on the lawn is that it is both, it is like the worst of everything. It is it, driven entirely by status seeking, but also the rooms are incredibly uncomfortable. Right. Well, that's And there's what, no bathroom. So that's what- You have to go outside to go to the bathroom. Okay, so this- They're was, called sink for a reason. So this is what shocked me- um, because my wife had never been on the lawn, and so we took a walk around, and I was like, oh, this is where the Eccles scholars live. It's a great honor to have the dorm. And then there was a cleaning crew uh, em- you know, f- emptying one, of- servicing one of the rooms, and we looked inside, and we were like, oh, my God. They're tiny. It's They're- like a, a sty. It's like living in a prison. And then, of course, the question arose, where is the bathroom? The bathrooms are not below. No, they're, they're like around. Out. They're outside. They're like back where the parking yeah. is. Well, I... I uh... I'm not 100 percent sure if that's exactly where they are, but they're on like the ends of the. Oh, they're at the ends. I think. So well, not like walk... all the way right, at right, the right. ends, but, but like at the end of every unit. Yeah, basically. I think that I you. I mean, it, that would be during, awful. during the winter. It's I, I know. honestly, it's the people who live on the lawn are very, very into being lawny type. Can people. you live there for all four years? No, no. It's so like, it's the first years, I think, right? No, no. It's only I, there's usually. I'm pretty sure it's all fourth years, with I the see. exception of maybe one third year. I see something I see. like that. Yeah. I mean, but it's like a it's like a thing that you like work up to your whole career to live on the. Lawn. You mean seniors? No, fourth years. No, not at and UVA. juniors at, at Mr. Jefferson's University. Right. Uh, the academical village is a place where you never stop learning. You can't be a senior and learning, Jonathan. I loved it. I love checking in on Tommy Boy. You know, and also I'm just amazed at the. Uh, the influence of classical architecture and just you see how heavily the the Greeks and Romans influenced the the founders and it's beautiful and um, uh, luck, uh, of course he hasn't been condemned as a racist yet and torn well, down of course from he his own he school. Will, well, he will, he's he still there. Yeah, I checked will. in on the statue. He's still there. What do we think the over-under is for how long the Jefferson statue can stay? 50 years. You think it'll make 50 years? I don't know. It's hard to say. UVA is still a pretty regressive school. You think you'll be fine? Okay. The the great thing about UVA is that the level of apathy is enormously high. Like people are more interested in figuring out how to get into the commerce school than tear down the statues. Or the the law school or the medical school. I mean, it's a huge thing now. well, good. Glad, glad. That was very good. You did well on the weekend segment. <laughs> this is what I was worried about. Solid. I would is, say that's a solid A. I, mean, I can that's talk about science a. fiction, but my weekends, gosh. JBL, that's tough. how was your weekend? I went out and I bought a pitcher's mound. Ooh, like a whole mound? It is a portable pitcher's mound, uh, which is less portable than it seems. It weighs probably 350 pounds, and uh, I had to drive up to suburban Baltimore to get it, and uh, brought it down, and we, we set it up, had my son thrown off the mound. We've been doing mound workouts, because it really is quite different. And the playoffs for his team, which finished the season undefeated, start on Saturday. Has he given He's up excited. a hit yet? Uh, he gave up his first hit. Oh. Uh, he gave up one hit. I think it's one one was an error, not not accounted to him. The other, he gave up one hit over the course of the regular season. His whip was something like, you know, 1.25 or something like that. Well, yeah. that I mean, that would mean he's walking. Yeah, a lot of walks. Two batters walks. every three innings, basically. More than that, yeah. I think. Uh, he gave up a lot of walks. Okay. Um, and uh, so it was great. We had a college player come over who's a friend of a friend and do a little pitching clinic for him and show him a curveball that you are allowed to throw before you're 15, which is kind of nifty. 
if you grip the ball with sort of normal fastball grip across the seams and then you pull your pointer finger mm-hmm. down getting a lot of good visuals curl it. For if the we were doing here. Facebook live this would be killing people people can really see the finger work here. and uh, you know what's crazy is that my again my kid is 10 years old he over the course of an afternoon basically mastered this pitch and so now when I'm sitting catching for him is where it's throwing like you can actually see you know the dot they say like mm-hmm. you know during curveball you can see the you can tell it's curveball because you can see the dot in the ball as it's coming to like son of a you can actually see the dot as he's throwing it. Wow. It's uh it's crazy. So he's going to hopefully not hospitalize any other children at the playoffs, but it is the playoffs, as Danny Ainge once said. If they crowd the plate. Playoffs. If they crowd the plate, they get what's coming to him. He's gotta do what he's gotta do. I mean look, you do, you gotta get that batter off the plate. The plate is the pitchers. He's gotta own that plate. So I'm very excited. The uh I a little disappointed you didn't ask how much the pitcher's mount cost, but that's okay. You said it you Oh no! You said it was three hundred fifty pounds. Yes. How much did it cost? Yes, it was. It was. So pitchers mound. It turns out in sports, like in everything else, once you get to the world of specialty items, the prices are much much higher than they should be rationally because mm-hmm. they're not being mass produced at any real scale. And so most pitchers mounds are nine hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I have a few questions. We it, bought this used now, off of Craigslist, and so we did not pay. Matthew, the that. proper format when you have a question mm-hmm. is just to interject and say, question. You don't have to, you don't have to gussy it up. Questions. What is it made out of? Steel uh, with a large plank of wood and then covered with turf with a pitching rubber, thank God there are wheels on the end of it, so you can like pick it up and wheel it into the garage when you're with done. With your oxen? Uh, and, and then how did you, well, to that point, how did you transport it from suburban Baltimore to uh, Prince William County, Virginia? Minivan. 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 We did put you the rent seats a minivan? Down. Oh, no, you just used your... <laughs> we put the seats down in the back of the minivan, slid the thing through. It went all the way from... Like the very back of the minivan, up like past my elbow, almost to the gear shift. <laughs> it, it's, it's always safe. It's enormous. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's like it's, this is like when I try to uh, uh, transport a uh, a a bookshelf in a box from IKEA to my house in my Volvo C30 hatchback. It like goes all the way up to for the, the favela. Yeah, for the favela. I have favela news coming up, but we can. Well, I just one thing here is just imagining it. Uh, the pitcher's mound. It reminds me of the. Um, there's an alien creature in a Star Trek original series episode. I think it's called the Horta, but it looks basically like a baseball mound. They, they end up <laughs> killing it by accident. It, it, it meant no harm to them, but they end up killing it. There's and a lesson. I would just. I'm picturing you with this alien <laughs> in your van. It was uh, it was a chore. I had to go get a neighbor. The the guy I was buying it from helped me load it in, and I had to get a neighbor to help me pull it out of the minivan. Uh, but it was great. The kid loves it, and we're gonna have mound workouts, which really is different. Throwing off the mound is really different. And uh, I've been consulting with some kinesiology guys to see how much is too much in terms of you don't want to blow out his work because I don't want to don't want him. We want to hold off the Tommy John surgery till probably eighth grade. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that <laughs> I've gone full Agassiz. Are there as, mul- as are, you can tell? <laughs> well, as once again, as I said, you've been developing this like secret uh, Marinovich personality for the last uh, year or so, and I'm glad that it's finally coming. Can know. a player have multiple Tommy Johns? Oh yeah. Over the course of a can you? career? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just one. No, no. So if you have the one first one in eighth grade, then he can always have the later one when you know when he's a college player. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you get, get and then started a third when he's in the minor leagues. Yeah, no, it's yeah. like. Uh, well, by the time he is in, like in, other bodily augmentations, right? Can do these well, a bionic arm. Even. Well, by the, by the time he is a Cyborg professional or, baseball yeah. player, you'll be able the to winter put soldier. on like uh, you know yeah. bionic implants Bucky, into your Bucky arm. Barnes is all right. <laughs> no one will hit him then. It's great, Sonny. How was your weekend? My weekend was. Uh, it was it was heavy, is what it was. Let me. So we're Did remodeling. Did you buy a pitcher's mound too? No, no. We're remodeling our basement. And oh, as are you doing of, it yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hanging drywall, putting up drywall, putting in a shower, putting in a new. You know, the, Ooh, was it we're, already we're plumbed? So we're we are turning it into a full bath downstairs. We have like a half bath downstairs, but we want a full bath. Uh, was it plumbed so, for a full bath, or do you no, have to do? No, not plumbed for a full bath. Oh. So we have to. We're we're putting in a. I'm not actually doing any of this work. We, no, so we you hired elevated floor where the shower stall is going to. be. I have no idea what yeah, it's no, going to is... entail. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in charge of any of this. All right. I. The only thing I have done any of the work on for this is uh, designing the built-in bookshelves that we're putting in one of the back rooms. This sort of project would take Doctor Dwyer like three weeks. Yeah. Well. I'm not a doctor. For, unfortunately, Vic isn't here, to, to, so we could rub it in his face. Uh, but what this entails is getting all of the stuff out of the basement. So all of the stuff that's in the basement has to go into rooms that are not being you know, demolished and rebuilt. And this involved uh, mostly me schlepping all of my books from the basement to the second floor of our house. So up one flight of stairs to the main floor, then up another flight of stairs to Question. the second floor. Yes. The garage? No, we don't have a garage. We don't have a garage. Okay. So, uh, I live in a townhouse in in Alexandria. Many Virginia. townhomes in Alexandria have garages. We don't have a garage. Okay. But even if I had Fair a garage, th- there it would have a car in it. Why would I put my books there? Would I have a car? <laughs> that is something that somebody who's never owned a garage would say. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this my my weekend involved approximately, I would say, like conservatively, fifty trips up and down two flights of stairs. Carrying about twenty to thirty pounds of books each time. It's a great workout. Uh, I'm not in the best of shape, uh, so even more reason so to do this. When I when I woke up on Monday after having completed all of this, it wasn't so much my arms uh, or back that hurt because I was very good and lifted with my legs every time. Oh. Uh, but it was the it was basically my ankles to about mid thigh would not move properly. <laughs> Like they were, it was kind of like you know, you know that movie, the the uh, uh, the Arrival with the aliens that have the legs that go like backwards. The heptapods. That's kind. No, that's Arrival. What did you just say? Oh wait, am I thinking? What's the Charlie Sheen one? That's Arrival. No. What's the, the Charlie Sheen one where the aliens come and they want to alien warming? No, no. It's either no. That's a, one of these the is arrival. arrival. Either the arrival oh, or the arrival. arrival. No, the yeah, arrival. The the not the Villeneuve. The Villeneuve movie is Arrival. <laughs> That's Denny villain, right. and the Charlie Sheen movie is The Arrival. Uh, they have these aliens where the knees go backwards. That's kind of what my legs felt like. Uh, all, all, but it, good news, all done. It's all how, done. How long will this uh, restoration take? It's going to take like three or four weeks, and then you're going to have to take the books and then back I have to down. take all the books bound back down. But fortunately, I will have my new built-in bookshelves that I've I spent literally like an hour yesterday or the day before diagramming. How I want them to look because nice. it's it's clever. It's like it's it's tricky because I've got a bunch of DVDs and Blu-rays, but I don't want to waste shelf space by having a bunch of DVDs and Blu-rays on like ten-inch yeah. spaces. So I need I want like 
a series of shelves that are about eight adjustable. inches. Do you know what happened to my no, DVDs and Blu-rays when we got the built-ins in the basement? They went in box. They went you in never paper bags in the storage room. That's and not how ha- I'm not doing I that. have to, it's like I'm no. a homeless person rooting through my That's garbage great. bags you're making looking for my like movies. Decisions, foundational decisions about your house based on a storage medium that is already extinct. I I think that's great. Like, I'm I'm it's gonna the resale value. I am you're committing. Getting. Look, you can put plenty of mass market paperbacks in those shelving spaces. All right. I'm just uh, I'm building this for me, not for you, not for the next jack off who wants to live in this house. Let uh, me throw something at you. Yeah, as an idea for getting the books back down. Okay. You uh, go and get a bunch of like go to Costco, get a bunch of boxes, open them up. Place the flat cardboard along the stairs. Make a book slide. Book slide them down. You can have Katie do it. She'll think it's great fun. <laughs> she like, would. She would have just a lot. slide the books down, sweetheart. Yeah, she would have a lot of fun doing that. I feel like that would not actually save me any time. I feel like that would actually probably be much, much more effort. Okay. But fair. Just trying to help. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your concern. So anyway, the the sad news is, of course, that the bookshelf favela will be demolished. As part of this, we're getting, it's going to, that will be gone. Gentrification? It will just be, be (laughs) there will just be solid white uh, uh, drywall. Wait, so did you get rid of all the favela bookshelves? Well, not yet. But But you're going to. But when they, when the people who are doing the work on the uh, basement come in, they're going to take them all down and get rid of them all. Well, those you can resell. Uh, Worth the effort. Do people are people more well, valuable than our Blu-rays? Probably. Well, here's it, so like one of them is an actual bookshelf, and then there are like four CD stands that I converted oh, into DVD that's racks. Right, that's am I gonna? Uh, how am I gonna yeah, sell those? Those are probably so, not. Sold. And then and then next to the bookshelf, remember, it's just plywood that I screwed into the wall. So like the actual the only the number of actual bookshelves here is one. The rest <laughs> of these are add-ons. Watch this again. Sonny, why don't you use FreeCycle? Do you know what FreeCycle is? I would rather light them on fire in my yard it's than a use FreeCycle. Where you expend the effort to put the things up on the web and then put them outside of your door so that some stranger you've never met can come and take them from you for free. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like the most bunchian thing ever? Like I said, I would rather. And you don't know who the person, you don't have to communicate with them? You I just think leave you communicate it. with them. They they oh. say, "Oh, we'll be coming to your. Thank you for giving us the address where you live. We will be coming to your house and taking this thing from you that you went all the trouble to get rid of, and we'll take it for free." But it's it's Craigslist without any money being exchanged. Yup. Right. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> the book the bookshelf favela is going to be demolished. Speaking of being demolished, Solo had wow! a really bad weekend at the box office. Do you like that? That was so good. Uh-huh. Wait, wait till we do the Gene review. Oh no! <laughs> uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, grossed eighty-four point four million dollars this weekend over the first three days, while Deadpool dropped sixty-five percent in its second frame to gross forty-three point four million, and Avengers: Infinity War grossed seventeen point three million for a domestic cum of six hundred and twenty-two million, and a worldwide gross of over one point nine billion. Looks like it's going to get to that two billion figure, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, only a few movies have done that, and. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's going to do that in the summer as opposed to uh, opening in the winter when there's less competition. It's actually a pretty, pretty impressive mark. Uh, we're going to get to what Solo's failure failure uh, means for Star Wars writ large in a moment. But first, at the risk of boring all of our listeners to death, this has happened before. 
I want to do a quick bit of remedial box office math because some folks on Twitter were disputing my characterization of this film's $173 million opening weekend so as much money. a disaster. It did great. They said, oh, it's so good. No, it's it's disappointing. It's just, it's a disappointing number. It's not a disaster. It's disappointing. You're just a Marvel fanboy. <laughs> uh, wait, no, but I would be a Warner Brothers. I'd be a DC fanboy because Marvel is owned by Disney. When isn't that right? I don't know. But weren't you know. accused of being a Marvel fanboy? I've been accused this of being is, all but he is a DC fanboy. Right. No, so this the criticism of him being a DC fanboy is completely legitimate. It's not. First off. Second off, shut shut up. I'm, Matt. I'm just hey, I'm, I'm reclining. Don't make that. me mute you. Like, all right. Uh, uh anyway, this suggests to me we need a remedial box office lesson. So a few things to keep in mind when you're discussing these figures. The production budget, in Solo's case, a reported $250 million thanks to heavy reshoots, uh, is only part of a film's outlay. You have to also take into account the advertising budget, and these numbers are not readily available, but on a movie of Solo's size, the figure is generally assumed to be in the 150 to $200 million range. It is often double the production. It is, it is, it is often... Imagine doing the production it is, budget It is often again. 100% of the yes. production budget. So, uh, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play, play it low. We're going to say $150 million, all right? Uh, so that means the total budget for Solo is something like $400 million, in the $400 million range. So if you say uh, that this movie has grossed $173 million, that is very, very bad. You can't just say this movie has grossed $173 million and say, well, it's already earned almost half its money back. It's not how it works. You're doing it very wrong. Remember, theaters take a large cut of every ticket sold. These numbers are also tricky to calculate. Uh, it depends on the studio, it depends on the movie, it depends on the theater chain. These are all negotiated, uh, et cetera. Uh, Disney is especially stingy on this front. They got 65% of the box office take for The Last Jedi. And my understanding is that they're getting 60% of the take for Solo. Um, generally speaking, you can say it's about 50-50. I think it's fair to say it's about 50-50 usually. But uh, the point here is that whatever the worldwide grosses are, you have to deduct the theater's cut before figuring out how much the studio is netting. Before we get to that, we have to remember that Star Wars movies tend to gross uh, about half their money at home and about half their money overseas. Um, this is very bad. This is a bad ratio. Usually movies do about 60 to 80, movies like this do about 60 to 80% of their business overseas. Um, Star Wars has always been soft in China. It continues to be soft in China. It only grossed about $10 million there this weekend. Uh, is that good? It's bad. That's oh. very bad. Avengers Infinity War, for instance, grossed $200 million in its first weekend in China. Uh, Solo doing $10 million, very bad. So if Solo grosses about $250 million domestic, and that's a big if, that's assuming a multiple of three off its opening weekend, uh, which is, I don't think, particularly likely, but it's possible. So if Solo grosses $250 million, it will probably gross about $500 million worldwide. So we take that $500 million, we subtract the $200 million that the theaters keep immediately. That is $300 million for Disney on a film that cost at least $400 million. Can I interrupt? Overseas, the cut for for the studio is often much lower than fifty percent. Right, right. So this is this is again this these numbers so are these kind are of all tricky. General, these are best possible right. scenario. Yes, yes. Right, right. Depending on country, the studio could take home like twenty five percent, twenty five cents of yeah. every dollar. Right. The the math it, it depends on country to country. China is very stingy. China China keeps most of its money uh, internally. They keep seventy five to eighty percent of the box office figures. China. Trade wars are easy to win, except terrible China, deal because they're you know just a stupid deal. Um, so uh, anyway, 
Best case scenario, Solo is looking at a $100 million loss. That's best case scenario. Uh, now, look, Disney's going to make a lot of this money. It, it, Disney will make money on this film going forward in other formats. It will make home video sales. It will make streaming money. It will make uh, rentals, et cetera, et cetera. It will sell toys based on this movie. Well, I can interject there yeah. um, as a collector. The toy sales for Solo have also been extremely disappointing. Really? Not surprising. Yes, yeah. To the point where I think they're evaluating once again some the you know my my favorite that I grew up with the three and three quarter inch product line may not be long for this world. <laughs> and this is after very disappointing toy sales for the Last Jedi. So I mean, I I right. think Disney is really is is going to have to think about what it is doing with the Star Wars movies. Anyway. The whole the long the the too long didn't read version of this rant is this: if you say that uh, Solo is just a disappointment, you're wrong. It's going to lose at least a hundred million dollars, and if it if it does as badly at the domestic box office as I think it might, if it's in the two hundred twenty five million range, it could easily lose one hundred fifty million dollars. I mean that's that's a big that's a big big loss. Um, anyway, we're gonna brush all this box office talk aside for a moment uh and we're going to focus on the aesthetic failures of solo in one minute uh, right after we talk about a different better kind of brush jbl the truth is most of us are brushing our teeth wrong not for long enough and forget to change our brush on time that's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing but not quip so what makes quip so different for starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Next, Quip's subscription plans are for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And finally, everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's best inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash substandard right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash substandard, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash substandard. All right. So did we all see the movie? Yes. Matt saw the movie. I saw the movie. JBL, did you see the movie? Did anyone else see the movie? Do you have a gene review? So I I spent a lot of time thinking about this this morning. <laughs> and I was trying to do the math in my head as to whether it would be worth the lulls for making Vic upset mm-hmm. for one of us doing gene mm-hmm. versus the level of genuine hurt and disappointment mm-hmm. Vic would feel for one of us doing gene. And I settled on basically that it'll be a net negative that Vic would do you agree I agree with you like Gene is his thing and he's even though protective. hey you know what you know what I'm gonna disagree here and say screw Vic he's going on his vacation to Rome 
He's gallivanting about town. He's sticking me with all the work back at the Free Beacon. Sticking me with more work here. I say do it. But I'm I'm prepared to be outvoted. No, I can't do it. Uh, I can't do it. I, I thought about it. Five uh, stars. Uh, yeah, no, I, he'll do it ne- because he'll you know he'll uh, see the movie with his son after he returns home. He can always do it belated. Of course, by that point, Solo won't be in the theaters anymore. Yeah, by the time he gets back into the country, Solo will be on home video. So Watching streaming. the girl from Game of Thrones, I had to do a little solo act myself. Well, this, is, this is the problem with Vic doing a Gene version of Solo. It's just going to be a bunch of masturbation jokes. <laughs> Why do you say problem? Well, okay, fair. That's, it's, a, it's a plus. Uh, I, I feel like I just talked for a long time. JBL, would you like to do a review, like an actual non-Gene review? Do you have... So, sure, I can do a quick big boy review. First of all, everything from here on out is spoilers. Yeah, yeah, right? like everything. If you, like, we're going to yeah. talk all about everything. Uh, Solo is the story, basically the origin story for Han Solo. We begin with him as a young uh, scrap rat on Corellia. He is roped into indentured servitude working for this character who is so important that she gets mentioned in the crawl, which isn't a crawl, but in the, 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 cards. the cards, the cards, the title cards, and who is then dispatched after what three lines of dialogue. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, he has a girlfriend who is the girl, I take it from Game of Thrones, who everybody yes. loves. Amelia uh, Clark. Amelia Clark. Uh, Kira. They try to get off of Corellia. They fail to get off of Corellia. Uh, they are separated. Han gets off. He, to get off, has to join the Empire by going to an Imperial recruiting station. Uh, Flight Academy. Flight Academy. Yada, yada, yada. He does not become an Imperial pilot. He becomes an Imperial grunt. And uh, when confronted with the horrors of war, decides he'll do anything to get out. Uh, at which point he joins. He's a, basically a coward like Finn. At which point. I wouldn't say. I, I, wouldn't, I mean, he's, yeah. more, he's more of a crook, fundamentally. I think he sees an, an avenue to leave. I think it's yeah. less of a horror of war apocalypse now thing with Finn than just him him being himself. That he, yeah. I want to join this gang. I think that's, that's how right. I get rid of it. Yeah, and uh, and so he gets out of the and joins the gang, and they have to pull this job, and then the job goes wrong, and they have to pull another job, and the other job is the Kessel Run. Uh, that's the movie. Oh, he that- also meets Chewbacca. And he we, meets Chewbacca, and we find out the where the Millennium the, Falcon comes. We find there's out- another gang. In- in competition with their gang that he has to fight. Yes, another gang. <laughs> and it then turns the out other gang, not to be a bad gang. They turn out to be a good gang, yeah. much like yeah. the whatever from Mad Max Fury Road or something in their their women, all-woman gang. The Green Place? Who, the Green Place gang? Who has garish costumes and outfits and who behave in a horribly evil way and, in fact, kill one of the... Yep. Nice members of Finn's gang. And then it turns Two. out all is forgiven. Yeah. yeah. Right. They, they, hey, you know, everybody decides. Just, this, I'm, this is a terrible big boy review. I'm not good at this. This is why you do these things. It's um, okay. Did you guys it's like okay. the movie? I mean, I guess there's a lot to unpack here. I thought it was fine. I thought it was very, I thought it was competently made. I thought the story beats moved from, from place to place. Uh, I, I, I had some issues with kind of how it was shot in the early going. I understand the effect that the cinematographer was going for with its super dark, you know, we're super, super dark, and then we burst out into the light, and it's blinding, and it's freedom. But it, it didn't work because I couldn't see what was going on uh, in that early part of the film. Um, uh, but I, I would say that generally speaking, I found all of the 
uh, performances to be very entertaining. I thought Alden Ehrenreich did a fine job as Han. He's not really doing Harrison Ford. There's only one Harrison Ford. I thought Donald Glover's Lando was good in that it wasn't a pure impression. It was kind of a a or, or pure impersonation. It was kind of a um, he was kind of riffing on Billy D. Williams's mode of speaking. His kind of his kind of uh, rhythm of speaking more than like trying to imitate his timbre or tone. Um, and I thought the I thought the I thought the the guy who uh, played Chewbacca I don't know he's some seven foot tall Brazilian or something I, Jonas like, yeah I I don't or, no I he's don't, fin, he's Finn he's, he's a f- former he's a fin, Finnish basketball I player I don't know anything called, about named that guy. Jonas um, starts with an S Jonas he was something. great. I thought he, he was, was the fine. best part of the movie. He's fine. I thought I thought the Han I thought the Han and Chewie stuff was great. I mean, the problem with this movie is that it's totally unnecessary. I don't care about learning any of these things. I do. I, I do. Don't, I don't. I don't. I don't have any interest in finding out how the Millennium Falcon got the little gap in between the turrets. I don't have any interest in finding out uh, uh, how Han and Chewie met. I don't have any interest in Han's dumb last name. Oh wow, he's all on his own. He's solo. It's just like Ellis Island, but for the Empire, he's Han Solo. I like. I just. I don't care about any of this. I don't care about any of this. And the problem with this movie is that the problem with uh, basically all of the Disney Star Wars films so far, which is that they're looking backwards. They're filling in the gaps on a story that don't need the gaps filled in on. Move us forward. Take us forward into this new galaxy. I had a different problem with the movie. I, unlike it seems most reviewers actually enjoyed the movie less as it went on. The conventional wisdom seems to hold that the movie starts off soft, but then escalates and becomes more interesting as it develops. For me, I actually enjoyed the scenes in the underground lair. I thought that caterpillar creature was pretty cool. I liked the her uh, kind of henchman who had the mask that had a crawl over his head when he was exposed to oxygen or whatever. I liked being the separation scene was neat. I liked the train heist. When the, you mentioned the Kessel Run, right, which they have to go through this kind of asteroid gas belt, and they're conf- they're being pursued by an Imperial Star Destroyer, and they also confront a star creature or whatever. That's when I became aware how manipulative these movies are. When they're going through an asteroid belt, and the John Williams cues from the asteroid belt pursuit in Empire are playing, and it's clearly meant to make me respond emotionally the same way I do to Empire and I felt I was being played I was being scammed and from that point on I became more skeptical and especially the part where this villain whose design I thought was Enfys Nest Enfys Nest right the, the head of the rival gang that, that you mentioned Jonathan I thought the, the character design was awesome I thought the gang design was cool they come in on these swoop bikes and everything she has this weird acts that I loved it but then as the red letter media crew put it she's revealed to be basically 12 year old Maya Rudolph I said to myself what it's just not believable and then it becomes even more complicated because it turns out oh this gang that oh yeah shot to death another member of Solo's gang and then basically led to the death of the love interest of Woody Harrelson Oh, it turns out they've been the good guys all along, and we have to help them. And so then I saw how the movies are manipulating us politically, because what, you know, oh, the the criminals are the rebellion, and so that's good, but it turns out actually it's even more complicated because the criminal syndicate that Solo is supposed to be working for, it turns out to be in league with 
The Empire somehow. The Empire somehow. And at that point, I was just threw up my hands and said, yeah, it's okay. Well, I took that stuff as evidence that the three of us have basically rented a small room inside the head of Kathleen Kennedy. Well, right. All of these I mean, movies, all of every every single one of these movies not has to been like dedicated, own, you know, but, but, not to jerk ourselves off. But 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 th- no, they every single one of these movies has been dedicated to showing like how no really guys the empire is bad and mean and vicious and they do bad and mean things. I mean, they could you could you could absolutely leave the crime syndicates there as their own standalone right. branch of evil. They don't have to be gangs. good. Right. right. But instead, the movie goes out of its way to say, by the way, the crime syndicates are in league with the Empire. Which makes no sense. Except for the except good, good one, sense. which becomes the rebellion. Which is part of the rebellion. Oh, it's okay. They're and just the, rebelling. What, the droid freedom movement. Well, we didn't even touch that. Why? Which is, talk is about part that. of this. Well, which is, again, I actually, our thing. So yes. here's the thing. But done in the worst possible way. I actually, I yes, I, 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 like the Red Letter Media guys. I wasn't entirely sure what, and this is why I think the Droid Freedom stuff actually works because I, I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure if they were making fun of the social justice set, or, uh, no, I, I think it's hard. I think it is very hard to, to kind of Do you figure. Think that that a parody of the social social justice warriors, even if I can see how you know this movie was written by Larry Kasdan and his son John Kasdan. Even if the Kasdans conceived it as kind of a joke, do you think that joke would have survived the layers of bureaucracy in Lucasfilm, which is totally dedicated to the PC it is, worldview? It is such, I it doubt is, it. It is such a pitch-perfect parody, though, that I don't know. I, I like actually can't explain it away as not parody. When, she, when the female robot is, L3. Yes, is raising her fist in the sky and is going, know your rights. I mean, <laughs> it's equal rights. No, it literally says equal rights. Equal rights. But it's all played for comedy. It's not taken seriously. Think, well, but hold it. So if you think that she, what she basically was doing was raising her hand and saying, "Yes, all women." Yes, totally. I do a, not believe that was a that joke. The filmmakers, one hundred percent a joke. That. This was As all joke. This was. It's all played for laughs. Where they, where she's freeing the no, robots I and they're causing un- chaos. Intentionally it, played it, for laughs. It un- I agree completely. I, I believe that if you were to sit down, Darcy, Marcia, whoever the woman who voice acts L3, uh, who's an indie darling, and say, so did you realize that you were playing those scenes for laughs? She would be outraged. But this is a funny movie. It is a funny movie with comedic beats throughout, and she that whole character is played for laughs. The, the whole character is played so. for laughs. The concept of the movie nope. is that this terrifying masked creature turns out to be an extremely woke girl. That is the lesson of the Star Wars films. The Star Wars films went from having an intended audience of 12-year-old boys that you are teaching right from wrong. That is George Lucas' Star Wars films. To now it is the intended audience of all of the people who felt left out in the original six films. That's our intended audience. And the lesson isn't right from wrong. The lesson is, yes, all women and diversity and inclusion that is the dizzy that is kathleen kennedy's lucasfilm mm. so i don't see how there's any humor meant with that rebellion scene. i i agree totally uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> although also i would throw in a <laughs> surely this will be retconned with the next movie i seems to me that you could have a reading of it in which the enfants miserable or terrible what was the name of that where their whole thing about how we're really just both a part of rebellion is itself a con 
because they they have figured out the way well, to that's get. the iron well so let me go in a little bit deep into the the star wars universe here because if you look at the gang once they're revealed one of the members of that gang turn, turns up in rogue one which remember yes. even though rogue one was released the two Saul, years ago Saul Guerrero, right yep he, it's, it he, actually he, takes place later and that so what they're showing there i wondered is if a that continuity. was the same character it is, or if it was something uh, two tubes is his name yes. so so I think it'd be hard to retcon that. What they they are trying to show is that this is becomes the but the irony though is in that movie Rogue One, Saw Gerrera's band is considered terrorists by the Rebel Alliance. So maybe you could yeah you could do something where it's oh no they're too extreme they're too criminal maybe yeah. that was under there but we need to we need to we need to discuss Darth Maul. Sure. We need to discuss Darth Maul because it's the his inclusion in this film is the single worst aspect of it for a reason that has nothing to do with the film, although it's totally unnecessary to the film and kind of is is like sloppy fan service, you know, nonsense. It I is, want to talk about fan service in general. It's, so it's, let's go do that after Darth Maul. It's, it's the worst thing they could have done because what it means is you are going to have to understand everything that happens in the dumb cartoons and the awful books and the idiotic comics to understand what is happening on the big screen. And this is a giant misstep. This is a thing that Matt and I were discussing this earlier. It's a thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has avoided doing. You can watch just the movies and know exactly what's happening with all the things. Uh, this you, this this inclusion of Darth Maul suggests that if you are not up to speed on all of the expanded universe crap, that you are going to have to flee to a Wikipedia page immediately after getting out of the theater to understand what's happening. Okay, so, so hold to, on. to understand, explain what's to me what's happening because I have checked out of the Star Wars comic books. And I know so I didn't actually well, know what was happening. So I looked it up. Okay, apparently. Darth Maul survived falling into that bottomless pit. Survived being cut in half. <laughs> After being cut in half <laughs> survived by being Obi-Wan cut in half Kenobi. And thrown and into a bottomless falling pit. Falling into two pieces down the bottomless pit at the end of Phantom Menace. Wow. Yes. And in the cartoon series, The Clone Wars, it is revealed that after he somehow recovers and gets bionic legs, he is disowned by Emperor Palpatine. And so he then has to f- go on his own and he becomes the head of this gang, Crimson Dawn. And uh, so that is what that is that the, where we see Darth Maul at the end of Solo. He is now a criminal master. Apparently, he still knows the Force. He still knows the dark side because, as as they show, he can <laughs> still call his, his <laughs> lightsaber back with you know his two pronged lightsaber. And it's played by the same. This is what I was is so it Ray fa- Park. Fat I was Ray say, Park. yes. I was so confused by this point. I was who is it? It was Darth Maul, but why is he why is he fat? And he doesn't sound the same as he does in Phantom Menace because apparently he's voiced by the actor who has played him in both the Clone Wars cartoon and the Rebels cartoon. But I was I was just confused. But just to make it clear, of course, he they have he summons lightsaber. He even activates. And just in case you're not totally sure who he is, he activates the lightsaber. And I was I just. Well, it could have been Darth Maul's brother, Savage Opress. Savage. Who's, that's, but he's that's yellow. That's a real character, by yes, the way. Yes, he's yellow. Real Savage Opress. I just hope Savage Opress... Is Opress, he a good guy or a bad guy? I just I know, hope well, Savage Opress shows up <laughs> in the series at some point. So my objection to Darth Maul was actually, not having known this, was different, which is that I just thought, why does Han's story have to be part of the Skywalker Jedi saga? Like, why can't Han have his own thing until he winds up intersecting? But it turns out, you know, as many people have said before, 
the more they turn Star Wars into the operatic family drama of the Skywalker clan, the less interesting it is. The smaller the universe gets. Right. The smaller this world, this whole galaxy gets. Right. You, I mean, you get the sense that although there are supposed to be trillions and trillions of people alive and fighting and complex interests every which way, that the truth is the fate of the whole galaxy is really ruled by like 10 people and they are all somehow interconnected and their lives have been crossing in front of one another the entire time. Uh can we talk can we talk about the music and the fan service? Because I agreed completely the score is entirely forgettable except for when it's aping John Williams. Yeah, except for when it's totally derivative of, of and Empire. I was really bummed by this because I thought the score of the trailer, which had a sort of twangy western vibe to it, almost like the you know, Enrique Marcone or uh or, or like the the way of the gun music was just totally absent. There was nothing of that. It was just standard straight up Star Wars generic sci-fi music. Uh, but the fan service was, I found, oppressive. And I can't tell what they're trying to do with Did it. Did you think it was worse than Rogue One? Much worse than Rogue really? One. Rogue One had too much fan service. I have to say, I was waiting on the edge of my seat for C-3PO and R2-D2 to show up, <laughs> at which point I would totally agree with you. They do not show up. So I thought that was like a small victory, but please go on. So I... So I think I've mentioned this before. The, the the Tom Stoppard script for Shakespeare in Love, the genius of it is, is that it, no matter how much you know about Shakespeare, you come out of it thinking that you got all of the Shakespeare references and that you were the only one. And I think maybe that's what they're striving for. So like, no matter what level of Star Wars fan you are, you come out of it thinking, oh, I caught all of the fan service callbacks here. I'm the super fan. But for whatever reason, like, it's just not skillfully enough to be invisible. And so, like, you know, this is a thermal detonator and the Minox. And I, even the, the, the I Lando know. costume from Return the of the Lando Jedi. Costume, the I know where he's, you know, Lando says, I hate you. And he throws out his I know line, mm. which is the return. To me, that was. I got a really good feeling about this. So right. the I, for my, for my money. If the only callback in the entire movie had been, I've got a good feeling about this, I think that line would have killed. And like, it's hysterical. It's a funny line. It also shows character, it well. right? Because it shows character. You're trying, right, right. To, you're trying to show how Han became jaded and cynical. And so right. that, that line instead, would do it. But instead, it's just another piece of fan service on this enormous pile. And I... I just the only other one the other piece of fan service which i liked and thought was character was han shooting first right it was great which was again it's a character moment they don't beat you over the head with hey look he shot first and he regrets and, it and i which he doesn't by the time you get to a new hope yeah. so you can do it in a skillful where he way. doesn't shoot first or right. no i guess he no first. longer shoots so first so this is, is in a weird way a kind of rebuke of well Lucas this is a real question when we eventually get the Disney official versions of the original three trilogies, do they have license to go in and fix I George think, Lucas? I don't think stuff? we'll ever get those versions. Fox has distribution rights in perpetuity, and I can't imagine them giving it up. We need a 4K version at some point on 4K disc, right? Uh, you're going to have You'll have to well, remaster it. Well, if Disney buys Fox, right. They're going to own everything. I mean, if Disney buys Fox, then we will eventually, I that's think... In, that's in trouble now. Well, I know. Comcast. Is it Comcast that was making mm -hmm. it? Anyway, uh, not to get in the weeds on that. Okay. But can I... The, 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 yep. the fan service thing that I hate the most. Sonny, what time is it? Uh, 53.17. Enough with the f dice. 
<laughs> yeah. Totally. Apparently, so, the dice are the key to the whole saga. So what, the dice are there? this extreme, this funny piece of set dressing that George Lucas throws on because he had just finished American Graffiti, and he wants to say, "Yeah, it's like a hot ride." And now they are the key to the entire Star Wars saga. They are Rosebud. Yeah, you can't understand everything, and it's so patently ridiculous that it kind of makes me angry. Um, it's absurd. It's absurd. The only reason I even knew that there were dice on the Millennium Falcon was because I got a a, a card in the collect in the Star Wars collectible card game back in the mid '90s that they released that was Han Solo's dice. You could play it for extra luck. That's like I didn't that's... even know of. I did not even recognize the the dice until Force Awakens. Right? Does he? Do no, they it's appear Last in Last Jedi, where Last he Jedi, shows where they're up, everywhere. Where he? Where like? So it's not even until Last Jedi that yeah. the dice play. I had thought that he puts them back up on when he comes back into the uh, Falcon and well, Force maybe, Awakens. Maybe he, does. he puts I can't them back remember. on. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, that was the first time. But apparently, they're imbued with all of this meaning. <sighs> oh my god, I hate it so. Oh, much. because they come from Kira. That's that too. Now that now we know why he cares about the dice. And this, I. So the problem, the reason I'm slightly self-hating about this is that I feel as though we are criticizing them not for the movie they made, but the movie we wish they had made, which is vaguely unfair. And the truth is that the movie they made, as Sonny said, is fine. It's totally it's, competent. And in fact, when we get to the rankings, I would say it ranks very high within the relative Star Wars canon. Are we Assuming gonna rank, we're going to do a ranking. Star Wars? Um, but the problem is, at least for me, it, is that what they've done is a disservice to the character. And th- so Han is somebody whose backstory everybody knows, but nobody knows because it's mysterious. And by going and spelling it out, they're demystifying it in ways which don't serve the character well, I don't think. Right? I mean, whatever you imagined the Kessel Run to be, in your imagination, actually, it was better than what you actually saw. It's just, it's just a shortcut through space. Right. So whatever, you know, why would everybody have known the Kessel? You know, like it, and I just, I didn't need an origin story for Han Solo. Rogue One is not an origin story. You know, so just give us a Han Solo story. Rogue One's problem is that it takes a line of dialogue from A New Hope and turns it into a whole movie. Do you think there will be a sequel to Solo? Because he's contracted for three films. It's based on all the economics that you were going through. You make it makes me wonder whether they're going to have to hit pause and just kind of rethink. I think they're. I, I think it's possible. Um, I think that the the way that you do it. Um, I mean, they should just put the kibosh on the whole thing. They should, but they they've clearly set up for a sequel with Kira going off to Darth Maul, and. Han talking about going to see Jabba, Jabba about this big deal, you know. I, I, they've, they've clearly set up uh, a, 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 at least sequel, you know, maybe a trilogy. Um, I guess you, they're gonna pause it into Lando first. Or to your point about demystifying characters who don't need it, what of course did Kathleen Kennedy announce on the day that Solo was opening to disappointing box office? She announces that she has hired the director of Logan, James Mangold, to direct a Boba Fett movie. The Boba Fett, yeah. yeah. So 100%. here again, they're just going to completely turn in another yeah. origin story of a character whose origin, especially Boba Fett. Who cares? We already, well, one, we already know, yeah. kind of, because that was covered in the prequels, but two, like, come on. The more we know about him, the less cool yeah, he is. Right. Get, again, 
Stop you'll, looking backward. You'll give care. us a Saul Guerrero movie. You'll care about right? Boba Fett. Give us, give us a new character who hey, we have seen something of. You'll care about Boba Fett when they take his armor and they give it to a sixteen-year-old girl, or he has the white armor. That would be the fan service there, because when he was designed by Ralph McQuarrie, he wore white, and when many he made a first public appearance in a uh, parade. In Modesto, California. Okay, nineteen. <laughs> this is why you're having me so on this hot. episode. So hot. Nineteen seventy-eight. Drop a knowledge bomb. He makes his first public appearance. He's in white. He was a super stormtrooper when they conceived him. So maybe that will be the plot. So uh, we're 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 running up on our. We're, this is going to be an expanded episode. Do you um, want to uh, move uh, on uh, to talk uh, about the IP number stuff, or do you still want to talk about the creative aspect of this? What do you have more creative stuff to talk about? Um. I don't know. I I liked Lando, I guess. I guess I'll like the Lando movie when they give it. I'll say this. Because I I feel like <laughs> will you like the L3 movie? I will Can not, you not like wait the L3 for that movie. one. That's going to be um, that'll be announced this week. No, like the movie are... I want is I want the Cassian movie with his his droid sidekick. That's the give us a Cassian movie. This is anyway. Who is Cassian? Again? Oh, from Rogue One. Oh, Rogue from One. Rogue. Yeah, he was good. So so the things to because I don't want us to be unfair to the movie. Uh, there are three acts. Han is a real character with real motivations and an actual arc. Uh, Kira makes sense as motivation. Every all of the characters have clear objectives, uh, and it is an original idea within this. Not an original idea, period, but within the Star Wars universe, it's an original idea. This is not a Star Wars movie we've seen before. <sighs> so it's by this, just wrapped up in Star Wars crap. I mean, I, I, this is a thin defense, but I'm saying that by the standards of the Disney Star Wars, that puts it already ahead of both Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Eh. Um, the problem for me is that none of this stuck with me for even 30 seconds after I left the theater. I mean, did did you? For you guys, I mean, I literally I walked I think, out of there and I, I think thought, Force mm. Awakens is a better movie. There isn't. I a think s- it is ahead of Last Jedi, and I think the commonality between Force Awakens and Solo, which make them, you know at least meh, or maybe even better in some cases, is Kasdan. Yeah. I think Larry Kasdan kind of gets it. And he wanted, you know, initially he wanted to work on Solo. He didn't want to work on Force Awakens, but he had to after the first screenwriter, Michael Arndt, dropped out. But clearly he wanted to say something more about this character, and I think he did. It's, it, is, it is a perfectly competent piece of filmmaking. Um, and... When I, I mean that in both the best and worst terms, there isn't a single shot in that movie that stands out in my memory. Not a single, yeah. there's not a single image in that movie that stands out in my memory. I, um, I mean, it, like it, it, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also not the best. It's fine. Yeah. Are we going to rank the Star Wars? There's, Let's rank. Do you want to rank the Star Wars or do you want to How go about to the ones the that have come out? property thing? We, why don't we do? Why don't we rank the Star Wars and then do intellectual property? All right, I have the proper ranking. If you'd like, of all ten movies. Could, yes. Okay. Go on. Yeah, I want to hear it. You want to start from best to worst? Worst to best. Worst to best. Number ten, Attack of the Clones. Number nine, Last Jedi. Number eight, Revenge of the Sith. Number seven, Phantom Menace. Number six, Force Awakens. Number five, Return of the Jedi. Number four, Solo. Number three, Empire. Number two, Rogue One. Number one, A New Hope. Oh my god, Boom. that is insane! You just, you just, we just spent, uh, we just spent an hour, literally an hour, talking about how Solo is mediocre. You saying it's and the it's fourth? The f- best. You're saying it's the fourth best one? Well, I would say with this, there are only three good ones. Wrong. What is it's your ranking, wrong. Sonny? No, there are only three good Star Wars movies. I'm going to give you the proper ranking here. God. 
Wars Among the Stars ranked. Updated for solo. Uh, number 10, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Obviously. Worst. Right? The worst. Uh, number 9, The Last Jedi. Correct. Bad. Just bad. No one denies this. Eight, Phantom Menace. How can you put anything... I mean, fan, I could I could see maybe swapping Last Jedi and Phantom Menace. Number 8 is Phantom Menace. Uh, number 7, Solo. Frankly, I, I don't think it's as good as The Force Awakens, which is number 6. Uh, number 5, Rogue One, which has grown a little bit in my memory ridiculous um uh, uh number four return of the jedi which is not nearly as good as number three revenge of the sith which is a great movie with some fantastic action sequences love it are you high number two oh, i'm with sunny on a that. new hope number one empire i mean it's like this is this so, is the canonical ranking of star wars movies i would just say uh i'm not gonna rank all 10 I think we, like I was saying earlier, you have to distinguish between George Lucas's Star Wars and Walt, the Disney Corporation and Kathleen Kennedy's Star Wars. I'll just rank the Kathleen Kennedy Star Wars. The worst was Last Jedi. Uh, Solo is three. Uh, Force Awakens is two. And Rogue One is, is one. And I base that on rewatch value, which is for me, you know, growing up, I've seen the six movies that George Lucas made dozens of times each but the only one of the kathleen kennedy movies that i've watched with any reliability now is rogue one rogue one is a which legitimately is self-contained very good it's movie. exciting it's you, in, always gets your interest to be fair you you have watched the force awakens probably 15 times but but i may have watched rogue one more now because i've stopped watching force awakens uh, and now, and now, if Rogue One is, you know, it's on, it's on their Netflix. I just need Netflix and chill by myself. You know, the best kind of Netflix and chill, right? With you know, talk about solo, a bottle, a bottle of wine. <laughs> oh God, this is getting and, weird. And then, yeah, Rogue One. So, all right, there you go. All right, I think that's fair. Let's let's talk about let's briefly talk about what this box office disaster means for Star Wars as a brand. Uh, and as a series of films going forward, JBL. So I, I interviewed my my buddy Richard Rushfield about eight months ago, and I said to him, he's, he writes the Ankler, is a Hollywood insider guy. And I said, so what would the level of freakout be in Hollywood if a Star Wars movie bombed? Because Star Wars is the most bankable property in the history of of Hollywood, and he said basically it'd be like DefCon one. DEFCON 5, which is the one where all of a sudden the the keys are turned and we just poise. It'd be like DEFCON 1. Uh, I think you could say that that's where we are as of this week. Um, Solo, so we needed Solo to understand what was happening because we needed a fourth data point. Uh, And and what Solo has revealed is that there is underlying weakness in the intellectual property here. Think of it this way. You essentially have two types of Star Wars product. There is the saga product and then the standalone products. The saga products have The Force Awaken, which had $2 billion, and then The Last Jedi, $1.3 billion, a huge decline. Yep. Right? There's like a 30% 35, drop. 35% yep. drop. Then you had Rogue One, which only did a billion dollars on its own. So, again, if you had been looking just chronologically, you'd have thought, oh, you know, Rogue One's going down, but they Solo then is if you if you assume the Rogue One multiplier, which is three point four, Solo will top off no chance. Uh, no chance, but I'm saying is going to wind up at forty percent below Rogue One. So what you have is both products showing nearly a forty percent decline. That's bad. I mean, that is really, really bad news. And if you go and plot that against the first five Marvel movies, what you see 
couldn't be more different. So the first five Marvel movies are Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America. And what you see there is the gross has bounced around a lot. There is small variance, like, you know, like on the order of magnitude of 20%, but it'd be like 20% up, 20% down. And so you went down from Iron Man to Incredible Hulk, then up to Iron Man 2, then down a little bit to Thor, then down a little bit more to Captain America, but all very, very closely tied together. Uh, you could look at those. I would say you couldn't look at the first five Marvel movies and guess that Marvel would become what it has become. But you also wouldn't look at it and say, huh, this is a thing for which the appetite is declining. You would say, we don't know what's happening here. And that is clearly what's happening. And with you know who's making scare that comparison right them. now. It's Bob Iger. Yeah. Yep. And, but, and, those, and the, the other big difference between the Marvel movies and this is that the Marvel movies were all building to something. They were building to the Avengers. And the Avengers was an enormous, enormous hit. There, there's the, the Star Wars movies aren't building to anything. They're building to episode nine in one of one of the series, and then everything else is just kind of a mishmash hodgepodge of backwards. They were all crap. building to burning the wills. <laughs> I mean, do you I, think yeah. that um, Bob Iger has talked to Kevin Feige about Star Wars and what's going on there? With would, the IP. I wonder honestly if Kathleen Kennedy keeps her job. Me too. Um, I, if I were Bob Iger, there, I would look there at there is this a zero point zero percent chance that she gets fired after this movie. Zero point zero percent chance. If episode nine is a disaster, which I don't think it will be, I think it will probably be. It will probably wind up being somewhere between Last Jedi and Force Awakens uh, in terms of gross. Why I would think. we think that? That's just what I. That's my. That would be my guess because I well, think it'll be it, the longest buildup. You have, be, a, you have 18 months. Well, and so this is, this is uh, anyway, they're not going to fire Kathleen Kennedy because of, again, we're, we're all obsessed with social justice and wokeness, blah, blah. They're not going to fire the woman head of the, the, the studio. Um, uh, the, I, 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 my, 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 one, my one critique of your uh, take on the box office here is that I think they made a huge tactical mistake by putting this movie out in May instead of December. I think if they had put this movie out in December, the drop-off would not be as fantastic. We're six months away from, I would say, almost inarguably, the most hated Star Wars film since I don't know when. I like I, you know, it it is it, it's a movie that the fans have really turned against, uh, and they're they're putting it out six months after that. I think if you would wait it just a little bit longer to December when there's less competition, you get a little time to breathe. The numbers are better. That is the most optimistic slash Pollyanna view of this that the corporate suits could take from this. Like if they want to talk themselves into believing there is no problem. However, look at the audience scores, right? I mean, the the this if you believe in the cinema yeah. score and the Rotten Tomato stuff, then the solo scores are much worse than the last Jedi right. ones. So I, this is a real question. I mean, Mark well, Hamill asked I this on Twitter today. Is there a hangover effect where people? talk themselves into loving Last Jedi, but then actually hated it in retrospect and sort of left this left a bad taste in their mouth. But the, the the relevant and interesting data point here is that Solo got an A- minus from CinemaScore as opposed to an A, which the three previous Disney Star Wars movies have gotten. They've all gotten A's, even as people have kind of cooled on them afterwards. People were already cooling on this coming out of the theater. That's obvious. I don't put any stock in Rotten Tomatoes audience scores. They're too easily mucked, mucked about with by the Jokers on Reddit and 4chan, whatever. Uh, so I don't I don't put much faith in those. But I mean, if you if you just look at the the A minus cinema score. I think this is a it's it's a, it's a movie that has gotten a very soft reaction. 
So is even with the even with the ninety percent recommends, but those movies always have ninety percent recommends. As Richard Rushfield said to me when we talked about this, he said, "Look, the the truth is, these movies exist to sell products. Um, they, they, in terms of the total revenue to the company, the actual movie products are a very very small percentage component, and that is undoubtedly true. They will make up all the money they lose at the box office on lunch boxes and Legos and sheets and diapers and everything else you could possibly imagine that they sell licensing for." But the danger for them is long-term, which is that if audiences are slowly starting to not care about Disney, I mean, they're, or about Disney, about Star Wars, they're building a giant theme park, right? I mean, they're they're turning the MGM studio at Disney World into the Star Wars world. There are huge, huge implications for Disney as a conglomerate, con- all circled around Star Wars. And that's why I actually think that Kathleen Kennedy gets one more movie at most, to, to write the ship here. Especially the problem she had with Lord Miller. You know, I mean, well, this I, looks like... And Rogue like, One, and yeah. with Gareth Edwards. Had to replace him, had to replace the director for episode nine, right? Colin Trevorrow fired him, then J.J. Abrams, then she's been like Oprah. You know, you get a movie, you get a movie. Yeah. Rian Johnson, you get a whole trilogy. James Mangold, you get Boba Fett. Uh, the Benioff and Weiss, you get a new series. It's not a trilogy, but it's not a standalone. Oh, and John Favreau, John you're going Favreau. to have a live action yeah. TV show. Yeah. And where does it all go? I agree. I think the chances of overload are very high. Oh, totally. I mean, this is the problem is Star Wars is not special anymore. I mean, you went from having one movie every three years to then having a 15-year break to then having, again, one movie every three years to then having another uh, 10-year break, ten year a break. decade yeah. break. So you have this time where actually generations kind of grew up with specific sets of the IP, and they develop an attachment to them. Again, they watch them as children, which has, in my view, always been the intended audience. And now, of course, you're kind of... Sp- you think, oh, well, we're basically we want to do the fan service for the two older generations, but we also want to teach the kids this kind of PC lesson. And we're going to do it in every single property or medium, rather, that we can. And I, I think it's already showing that it's backfiring. It's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looking forward to watching it all burn, frankly. Because yeah. uh, it'd be a big deal if she if she gets, she won't get fired, of course. She'll be promoted to do something else with something in Disney. You know, it would be ironic because remember, uh, Jonathan, you probably remember the date where Spielberg and Lucas, this is last five years or so, said that, you know, the, the tentpole model of Hollywood with the big blockbusters is clearly going to reach an endpoint. It would be ironic if the I IP that Star began Wars. the era, right, of Star Wars ends up destroying it and we go to the next development of Hollywood. Let's just make the other obvious point here that Marvel is the new Star Wars. Yes. Marvel is where all the intellectual energy is. It's where all of the creative energy is. It's where all the fan energy is. Uh, Star Wars is limping because it's, it is looking backwards. It's all based on nostalgia. Marvel is building a story right. and moving things and, forward with each successive and, movie. And that's why I think Feige will end up with Star Wars. I, I don't think so. I, I really I, do. He made them. He made Disney a lot of money. Sure. What uh, does he? Even and he wa- gets I, it. Would he even want Star Wars? I. He was on the Star Wars show t- three weeks ago, talking about how everything he's done with Marvel comes out really? of his experience watching Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> Could you? This would be like John Lasseter taking over Disney animation, right? I mean, that that's almost the perfect analog. Does he like to hug people? Kevin Feige? We don't know anything about him. I've told Sonny <laughs> about this. He, yeah. He's very, yeah. and I'd love to have a biography of him to read or something to see where he's coming from, but he keeps I very think tight he's, Disney's, he's Bob yeah. Iger's secret weapon right now, and I, I got to tell you, yeah, sure, Kathleen Kennedy, powerful female executive, but all they care about is money. 
So he's got to, I mean, Feige has to do something before he's forced to reckon with the phase three of Marvel where they lose all of their, their bedrock stars, right? And decide whether they're just going to retire those characters for the meantime or try to invent them as minority characters or what. Uh, I mean, I, I mean that yeah, phase, Marvel is phase actually... Phase three might be his test, right? Yeah. Well, isn't yeah. this phase three now? Isn't the end of the Avengers phase three? Well, it starts. I it starts, starts now. Starts phase three. Right. Phase three now. begins. It, the end of Cap- phase two with Ant Man and the Wasp, and then Captain Marvel. Huh. They right. start phase three. Yeah. So they're gonna be, and but see, in a weird way though, he's helped out by Disney acquiring Fox. If that happens, because then instead of worrying about like God, what do I do about Thor and Captain America? You just mothball those characters yeah, and the X Men. Del- delve into the X Men world and the Spider Man world. X Men versus Avengers. All right, uh, that is. We are running very long. Uh, do we have any corrections or additions, JBL? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, I don't have any. Pretty good uh, show. We don't. We don't have a spirit this week because we're taping too early. Um. All right. That is all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at uh, Sunny Bunch uh, at Continetti and at JV Last. Uh, again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard under Podcasts, and we're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. <laughs>Do we have any so outtakes? Matt, did you like it? Was it fun? Just substandard. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Did you ever, did you ever get? Yeah. <laughs> it was like solo. It's okay. I think he's trying to say. <laughs> he's trying to say I will I, never do this I again. Just, I, well, I just don't. Th- I I'm, I was sitting here thinking, could I do this every week, talking about a different movie every week? And I I I don't know. But we also talked about Shoe Shining. Talk about shoe shining. We talk about bookshelves, watches. Pictures, I pictures was waiting. Mounds. I'm disappointed. I didn't. What get What watch spirit. are you wearing? What? Uh, I don't got a watch there. What, what are you know. wearing? I don't even know. Can I see it? My wife bought it for me seven years ago. <laughs> Probably a Patek Philippe. He's been wearing a Patek. It's literally for seven the only watch I've ever owned. Oh, this is nice. It's solar powered. It's a Citizen Eco Drive. Oh, I like God, Citizen Eco Drive. God, what? Stop. Eco Drive's a nice watch. Oh, I'll take it back now. I'm sure it's fine.